Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast. The Plus Dave podcast that this week comes without Dave because he's taking a well-earned break and he's picked quite a time to take a week off because everything's gone a little bit crazy as it tends to do at Tottenham Hotspur. But I am joined once again by Socrates and Elio to discuss all things pre-season as well as the ongoing and ridiculous Harry Kane transfer saga. And you join us at a point in time where we don't really know what's happening with Harry Kane. And honestly, you may well have a much better idea by the time you're listening to this, because it is at the time of recording about quarter to eight on Thursday night. And today is the day that everything's kicked off. Ornstein dropped a bomb earlier that apparently we'd accepted a bid. We then had all kinds of rumors as to whether Kane was going to accept it. And quite frankly, I don't think any of us are much the wiser at the moment. Socks, first, welcome back. Been quite a day. I don't use the term emotional roller coaster lightly, but I feel like today has ticked that box. Yeah, I'm honestly just tired. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> genuinely exhausted. Do you know what? I was mentioning last week when I was making my case for why I think it's probably best for the club to move Kane on that every week we're going to have to hear about his future and all this sort of stuff yeah. and it's going to get exhausting. This is the microcosm of it spread across yeah. this day. And obviously, if he does stay, it's not going to be this sort of rumor every single week when the transfer window closes, but you're getting a taste for how exhausting it absolutely is. And yeah. I think I speak on behalf of a lot of the fan base when I say people just want a resolution now one way or another. So if we're feeling like this already, then Lord only knows, despite what he might say, how I'm just taking it, how the squad are taking it. So exactly. um, yeah. as always, I will use this as my therapy. I will use this as my <laughs> catharsis and hopefully have some kind of resolution or peace in my own mind, even if Kane doesn't want to give it to us himself. And that is exactly what this is. This is essentially a glorified therapy session, not a particularly useful or productive one, because I feel like we're all gradually getting crazier, but we'll at least do our best. And a resolution we should hopefully have pretty soon, right? Because I think the idea, at least from what Kane has said most recently, is that if he starts against Brentford, he's a Tottenham player this season which is kind of adds a little bit of high stakes drama to the whole thing but at least it's hopefully we know where we stand in a few days time elio how are your stress levels and emotions today how are you feeling with all this going on in the background i really want to say that i'm just focusing on the first game of the season it's in three <laughs> days time and that's all i care about so i care about what happens on the pitch not off the pitch but oh, media training honestly I, I average usually a couple of hours a day on my phone i'm pretty sure today it's probably been about six and a half hours just just refreshing Twitter, refreshing the fan message boards, and just chatting to unical heads too. I, I, I'm really, yeah. uh, I really don't know what to think. You say emotional roller coaster. I'd say more just arduous and painstaking labour in trying to make sense of it all. It's nowhere near as sexy sounding as emotional roller coaster to me. It's all just been very. Um, very hard work, really. Yeah, you, would, you just made the joke before we started recording that the most boring man in football has somehow managed to capture the attention of the whole world, which was interesting. Socks, I expect you've been following Twitter about as closely as me and Elio. What is your understanding of the latest as things stand? And I know it's borderline irrelevant, given that by the time anyone listens to this, he could be in Munich, he could sign a new deal with us, but where have things got to? Literally, as you spoke, I was refreshing one of the Twitter aggregators, and I think according to Build and CF Bayern, whoever the hell they are, yeah. they're still optimistic. The Germans sources still think it will happen. There's some sort of dispute. I don't know if it's around agents fees or some kind of financial issue, but it's been a weird day because even this morning when Ornstein broke the news, he used the term German sources. 
and then the English press kind of caught up. So a lot of it seems to be coming from the German side, but then there are other reports coming from the German side saying that they're just as confused as yeah. decaying silence as anybody else. And I suppose that's why we all feel the way we feel, because we knew there was a deadline set from Kane and his camp ahead of this weekend. So we all assumed, I guess by about now, that resolution would happen. We all saw the news break this mm. morning that a fee was agreed and everybody was all of a sudden either going into anger, denial, some sort of, you know, some people accelerated up <laughs> the, the stage of, of grief, of grief. Yeah. yeah, quicker than others. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now we're all sort of sat here and uh, based on absolutely nothing at all, my gut tells me it's probably 70, 30 that he stays. I don't really know the yeah. reasons for that, but we're operating off of limited information. We were talking before we went on air, like I can't remember the last saga involving any club where there have been this many bits of the media, including the kind of people that you you think are reliable, that have been so mm-hmm. clueless. I, I mean, I guess it makes sense because if it rests on Kane, then only he, his partner, and those incredibly immediately close to him will actually have an idea what's going on in his head. So yeah. you'd suspect by the time this episode actually goes live, all of this will be redundant because you'd hope it... I mean, look, if by this time tomorrow on the Friday eve uh, ahead of a Sunday game with the start of the Premier League season, we're still having this conversation on WhatsApp groups and Twitter, then mm-hmm. something has gone horribly wrong. And to be completely honest, I'm almost, if he doesn't go, like I'm on the camp where I think he should go, but if he doesn't go, I'm almost a bit pissed off at him. And the reason I say that is that we as a club have probably been operating under the pretense that he would be leaving, or at the very least, Levy would have been putting on a brave face, knowing full well that there was a fee that he would have been confident in getting and then would have accepted, which now looks like we're at that stage. So there's no way in hell the club haven't been lining up specific transfer targets ready to pull the trigger with that in mind. Obviously, the, the noise yeah. from Kane and his camp throughout the entire summer would be he's happy to stay at Tottenham, but if a fee is agreed, then he's going to go off to Bayern. So for us to get to this stage and for him to get cold feet, like I understand that there's probably a lot going on behind the scenes. His partner's about to give birth. It's like buying a house or selling a house or something, but just much bigger. Like People in quote-unquote normal lives get cold feet. I don't see why Kane should be an exception, but it's honestly a bit annoying because it feels like it's thrown this summer into a bit of chaos only for him to turn around and say, sorry, just kidding. I've changed my mind. I don't (laughs) want to go anymore. So I'm actually a bit pissed off with him. Well, you wouldn't be the only one who's a bit pissed off with him if he did stay because there's a tweet here from a man named Will Stewart on Twitter who said, if Harry Kane stays and doesn't sign a new contract or an extension, he is worse than Sol Campbell. (laughs) I know you've already made your thoughts clear on this in response to the actual tweet. (laughs) Quick word for uh, Mr. Stewart. I mean, I'm sad we're giving this guy airtime, but it'd be hypocritical to disagree with you on that, given that I retweeted him. So I'll just read to you what I retweeted. And it wasn't anything profound or anything that I don't think anyone else would think. But I just said, I'm fully for being respectful of every other Spurs supporter and their opinion. But unless Kane ends up at Arsenal, which he won't, this is the biggest load of bollocks I've ever seen. And I stand by that, Will Stewart. What you wrote is the biggest load of bollocks I've ever seen on Twitter. You, you, can't, you, can't have been around, you can't have been around when Saul Campbell did what he did to say such a thing. Or if, if you were around, you either didn't support Spurs at the time or have been lobotomized since. So... <laughs> I already regret bringing this up, but you're absolutely right. That was way too much airtime. Um, so I liked your comment earlier where you said you think Levy's played a bit of a blinder on this one. Now, can you elaborate on this? I, I honestly think he's played it perfectly. I mean, w- what are his objectives? He's squeezed out, if the reports are to be believed, 103 million quid. So you've yeah. got, I think Bayern have never spent more than 80 million on a player before. So you've got them to smash their transfer record by a pretty significant amount for a player who only has one year left on his contract. In other words, we have no leverage. So 
Yeah. We think about Daniel Levy as a master negotiator, but is there a big player we've ever sold under his tenure that has had a year or less? It's always been two, three, four years. And I'm not taking anything away from him, but it's easy to sell a player when you know you've got them tied down for a few years. So I think from a financial perspective, again, I've got no sort of love loss for Levy, but I can't mm. really criticize anything that he's done in that respect. And I think just from his own reputation, not that I give that much of a about his reputation but if yeah. in 12 months time if Kane does leave and we're all upset because he's gone off to Man United he'll be able to turn around and go well, hold on a minute I accepted the bid I did everything I could it was a great fee it was Kane that actually decided to turn it down after telling us that he wanted to leave the club so for all mm. the stick that we give Levy you could argue maybe this could have been done a bit earlier but there isn't a saga when you're talking about players that cost 100 million look how long the Declan Rice thing dragged on for example I mean, they'd mm. agreed to fee with him and it still took them two weeks just to figure out X, Y, and Z. It's, yeah. it's unrealistic. When you're talking about 100 million is a lot of anything. <laughs> it doesn't matter what we're talking about, <laughs> what item, what currency. So these yeah. things are always going to drag on. But we've got most of our top targets in as far as I'm concerned, irrespective of Kane. The money's good. I can't in all good conscience criticize him really for the handling of this deal at all. I really, really can't. There you go. A compliment for Daniel Levy from Sox, even if you are essentially calling him a Machiavellian genius and a, a schemer. <laughs> um, I'm sure you take it. Actually, you mentioned earlier you're about 70% that Harry's staying. Uh, we did a poll just now, a very quick one, about three hours ago. 66% of our followers currently believe Harry Kane is staying as opposed to summer. Let's, let's hope they're right. Um, do you guys want to hear a message from Dave? He sent me um, some kind of trolling message from the beach. I think it's about Kane, so let's get it in now. Hello chaps, it's, uh, it's Dave calling you from a sunny beach in North Devon. Um, it's been a bit of a tough day for you guys, I wasn't going to leave a message, but obviously with potentially Kane leaving you guys, I thought you'd all be a bit down. So I thought I'd send you a message to say I'm having a really lovely time on a beach <laughs> in North Devon. See you soon. Did, he, did he edit the sound of those seagulls in, or is that, is that what that was? <laughs> He's nowhere near a beach in Devon, is he? He's in his front room. He just couldn't be asked to do this. Thank you, it's Dave. It's like calling in sick at work when you start coughing. Well, the joke's on him. His side have signed Joe Roden from us today. <laughs> you have indeed. Yeah, good luck with that. No, uh, joke, jokes aside. Jokes aside. Lovely signing for Leeds. Yeah, we wish him the best. And he's continuing the the proud collaboration between Leeds and Spurs in, in true plus day fashion. So yeah, I'd love to see that. Um, back to Kane though. Elio, we've had this whole conversation already last week, haven't we? Because obviously we, we went through all the various, you know, would he leave now, leave next year and, and everything. First of all, has, has anything changed in your mindset with all of this? Now that it's we reached a point today where it actually probably for the first time felt real. I think we all... Mm. At some point today, maybe didn't reach the acceptance stage of the five stages, but we, we definitely thought, okay, Harry's probably going now. This sounds ominous. Has your mindset on the whole thing changed at all? And secondly, if you were Harry Kane in this situation, what would you do? So it sounds the first bit because that's probably the easier one in yeah. light of what we've already said. No, my mindset hasn't overly changed. My mindset all along has been... If Harry Kane goes to Bayern Munich, it will be because they are paying way more than they should be paying for any 30-year-old with a year left on their contract, even Harry Kane. They will be paying what he's worth to us, not what he's worth to them. Because ultimately, Bayern Munich will win the league next season in Germany with or without Harry Kane. And they almost definitely won't win the Champions League next season with or without Harry Kane. So they're essentially spending that amount of money to in no way change or shape their fortunes. So I think 
for us to receive that money for him if this does go through is mm. because we have received a figure and who knows what it is the media are reporting around the 103 mark let's say it's that we're receiving the figure that is acceptable to us and i always said all along daniel levy will only sell if he is satisfied that he has won the negotiation and if he is satisfied that we are receiving something that is worth more than one year of harry kane which remember that is a fee that then you have to remove the cost of any kind of merchandising sponsorship, the cost of giving our new manager that rolling start, paying off Harry Kane, whatever kind of loyalty fees and bonuses he's due, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So it was always going to have to be something astronomical that got a bit accepted and something that meant we were getting the better end of the deal. Harry Kane does not leave Spurs this summer unless we're getting the better end of the deal. That is fact, and that remains fact. Hmm. However, that doesn't change the fact that I'm obviously very sad that Bayern have actually come up with that kind of figure because I really don't want to see Harry Kane go. I think Hmm. we'll have a much better season with him in the side than without him, and I think even losing him for a free next season is more palatable off the back of that much better season that I expect to have with him than without him. So I'm still just as sad either way. Just there's the silver lining of there's an amount of money that we should be able to do something good with, I should hope. Now, on to if I'm Harry Kane, what I do, and I think this is something else I've been fairly consistent in saying, going to Bayern Munich and winning the Bundesliga with Bayern Munich, yes, it gives him that trophy. He's got another five, six years in his career to win leagues and better leagues than the Bundesliga. And when I say better leagues, I mean one of the three that actually is occasionally competitive, Premier League, (laughs) Serie A and La Liga. There's no point in winning Ligue 1. There's no point in winning the Bundesliga. He might as well go to the SPL, for goodness sake. It's that easy to win that league. So I I really, really don't think going to the Bundesliga this summer and receiving a much smaller signing on fee because they're having to pay a big transfer fee to us is the best thing for Harry Kane. I think the best thing for Mm. Harry Kane is to sit out for a year, have a look at where we're going, see if we are able to actually dumbfound him with progress greater than he could have imagined and then have a choice between either being the one club man and winning trophies that's the cake and eater option or leaving us in a year for free to get a massive 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 eight figure signing on bonus combined with his pick of the clubs in the world manchester city real madrid barcelona or psg if he does want to go that way hell Al Nassar and over in Saudi if he really wants. I mean, he can go wherever he wants in a year's time, earn far more out of that move and get to win a title that actually means something and and also be that little bit closer to breaking the Shearer record so that if he does return to the UK in a few years' time, he'll only need one year to do it as opposed to a couple. So I still think the best move for Harry Kane from both a footballing perspective and a financial perspective is going on a free in a year's time and that's what i would do mm. and this is me speaking unemotionally not speaking as a spurs fan here that yeah. is what i would do in his shoes that said there's the old adage that you always hear ex-pros say which is career is a short one you can lose it in an instant with the wrong kind of injury and that is a factor that only harry kane will know how big a factor that is truth is at 30 injuries are more damaging than they are at 25 and then they are at 20 so 
there could be that aspect. He's already had his bum luck with injuries as well, so that could either yeah. make him feel more reassured that there's no such thing as an insurmountable injury anymore, or on the flip side, make him more scared that the next one could be the last one. So who knows? But in my opinion, the only thing that would make taking the transfer to Germany now over having the option of Madrid and Manchester City next summer more appealing is the fear that he might lose those moves to an injury. Otherwise, do it in a year. He's Pep Guardiola's favourite player. He's he's mm. someone that will still be the best number nine on the planet in a year's time and will still play wherever he wants in a year's time. So unless the injury thing is a big thing, I think he should see it out. And that's before we get to the fact that he'll make much more money out of a free transfer than this move. Yeah. Socks, do you agree with all of that? I know you have differing views on whether we should, as a club, sell him or keep him, but do you think that's all fair as far as Harry Kane's concerned? The only bit I push back on is I think if you're buying, you're looking at Kane and you're looking at him as the missing piece to win you the Champions League. If you look at the squads, mm, I only really think point. perhaps Man City, well, obviously Man City, Madrid maybe, but they don't have a centre forward at the moment. So people will pick Madrid because it's Madrid and you can't not because they absolutely own that competition. But outside of that, I think Bayern are probably the third best squad quite comfortably. The only thing they're missing is a striker. The mm. only thing they're really missing is a striker. From when they won it the last time, the only difference in the team from then and now, and that was only mm. a couple of years ago, is the loss of Lewandowski. Obviously, Sadio Mane didn't work out for them. But I look at Nabry, Komen, Sane, De Litt and Kim Min-Jae at the back, Alfonso Davis. There's a bunch of really, really talented players there under a world-class manager who is volatile, fair enough, but has also won the European Cup himself. Yeah. I think Kane's probably looked at it. And if his head is going to be turned, it will be because of that. Because they won, yeah, I think, I two European Cups in about the last 10 years. And this isn't a competition that, unless you're Real Madrid, you win mm. all that often. He's going to, what, six times European Cup champions? Who's won more? Liverpool are the same. AC Milan have won one more, but they haven't been relevant in Europe in about 18, 20 years. And other than that, it's Madrid. So he That's is it. going to one of the clubs that gives him a decent oh, chance. Historically, at- Bayern Munich are a huge club. Yeah. And yes, based on statistics of the past decade, you'd say, yeah. yes, very good chance of doing it. But... I look at their squad and I think three of the four English sides in the Champions League, best chance of winning the Champions League next year. Both Spanish clubs, best chance of winning the Champions League next year. Genuinely. Mm, and I'm not I, sure. I'd, even go as far, I'd even go as far to say that the Napoli side that just won Serie A have a very, very strong squad by comparison. Well, don't get me wrong, I still put Bayern in the mix, but I think the drop-off to them from either Manchester City or Real Madrid is pretty huge. I think those two clubs are out on their mm. own. And then I think you've got Barcelona, Manchester United in comfortable sort of, joint third and then Arsenal very very strong as well so I think Bayern Munich are one of the next tier but Hmm. Harry Kane wants guaranteed trophies and he can get guaranteed Bundesliga with them but he can get guaranteed Premier League or La Liga plus almost guaranteed Champions League at some point with either City or Madrid in my opinion. Well, the hot takes have started early this week. I thought we were going to do those later. Bayern aren't in the front runners for the Champions League, Elio. So bold claim, bold claim. But I, I take your point, it's a less competitive league, I suppose. Anyway, we could get bogged down in that for ages. So let's take it back to our favourite subject of Harry Kane. Actually, um, I, I wanted to 
if, if you allow me to indulge myself for a minute, um, some Twitter followers may have seen I, I much like Andrew Postacoglu who been getting trolled on Twitter by Max Drader. I made a little meme that I was especially proud of where I took the infamous photo of the German <laughs> build journalist Max Schrader holding up the number nine Harry Kane Bayern Munich shirt, replaced his face with Levy's and replaced the number nine with the German word nine, meaning no, which uh, took off a little bit, which I have mixed feelings about because, of course, it served to backfire and uh, blow up my face, which uh, it threatened to do today. And then um, Max himself decided to pick that exact moment, moments after Ornstein had released his latest update <laughs> to like my post, which was very fun. So I appreciated that. I want to move on to talk about some preseason. if you guys are done talking about Harry Kane for now. I mean, we'll obviously talk about Kane's performance, particularly in the Shakhtar game, but in general. Um, is there anything else to add on about Harry, Harry Kane's saga as things stand? I know it's kind of um, all in motion at the moment anyway. Arsenal are the only club that I wouldn't forgive him for going to next season on a free. A lot of Spurs fans are getting their knickers in twist about Chelsea, for Chelsea. instance. Chelsea yeah. aren't Arsenal. Chelsea are just about West Ham in terms of rivalry. And then again, not really. It's only in the Pochettino era that that rivalry really, really blew up. Before then, we were their whipping boys for the best part of two and a half decades. And before that, yeah. they were a yo-yo club who took our players when we didn't want them anymore. Chelsea aren't Arsenal and no. I have absolute and we've shared many of our greats with them like Hoddle like Greaves like Hazard um, I, I really have absolutely no issue with Harry Kane ending up in a Chelsea shirt next season same I don't have an issue with Pochettino managing them yes it would absolutely suck yeah seeing mm. Harry Kane play for a team I dislike a lot would, would be really really upsetting but I have far more football hatred than Chelsea FC. As a neutral fan, I really despise them. I really, really do. But as a Spurs fan, Manchester United yeah. and Arsenal and Liverpool are the teams that I grew up absolutely mm. abhorring. They're the clubs who the kids at school used to take the pee out of me because I supported Spurs and they supported clubs who won things. Like <laughs> Chelsea yeah. are Chelsea are very in the same way as Manchester City are, they're very easy to dismiss because their history started in the last twenty years. I think, yeah, with Chelsea, I, I want to be careful how I phrase this, but I'm kind of on the same page as you there. Obviously, I hate Chelsea to a degree, but I think they were just objectively a hateable team for so long, whether you're yeah. Spurs or not, right? They had, I mean, there was the Abramovich thing. There was Mourinho. John Terry. John Terry. There was Drogba. Yeah. There was Lampard. There was Lo- Marcus Lo- Alonso. And and they were just well, yeah. they were just a scummy team for so long that I think everyone hated them and we just kind of rode that train. Whereas I think there was a time before Abramovich where I actually look back and think I kind of liked that team, dare I? Say, when they had like I knew Ali one Chelsea Hullet. fan in school. One in my entire secondary education, I knew one Chelsea fan, and I didn't go to a North London school. I went to a Central London school. I knew <laughs> lots of Tottenham fans, lots of Arsenal fans, lots of Manchester United fans, lots of Liverpool yeah. fans, few West Ham fans. I knew one Chelsea fan in five years of secondary education. So yeah. I really don't see Harry Kane joining them as any worse than Manchester United, Liverpool, Manchester City, even Newcastle. I think the only club that it would absolutely kill me to see him in their shirt is Arsenal. And that's for very yeah. obvious reasons. And that's something I'm not afraid of ever happening. No, I think I think you're both absolutely <laughs> nuts. I think I've been, I've been sat here for three minutes. I'm a, I, I was debating whether to say anything because I thought I'm going to derail this whole thing. 
fucking thing and we're not going to get on to whatever you're uh, so i will just say without getting into it, you're both absolutely <laughs> fucking mental mental and i'm st- i i now dislike you both because of this <laughs> the respect i had for you 20 minutes ago is dissipated ever so slowly in the, the pochettino bracket now we're on the same level as him don't get me started otherwise we're going to be here all night and we're not going to be like christ almighty I'm suddenly, I'm suddenly remembering the abuse we were all hurling at chelsea when we got that last minute equalizer at the beginning Jesus. of last season and and one what's happened since um, anyway yeah, um, but you know what when we were kids who was taking our plays from us who was t- who, who took Sheringham who took Carrick who took Barbatov okay when we were kids who was battering us left right and centre 7-1 up at their stadium blah 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 Liverpool when we were kids who were the team that were pinching all the good football all the glory building a great football team based on our values and having dickheads like Henri pursing their lips and shushing us and things like that Arsenal (laughs) Chelsea were a yo-yo club until the end of the 80s fact that that's not fiction they at the time that Harry Kane was born Chelsea were only five years into the top division of English football that is Chelsea it's not the same as Arsenal. It just isn't. It's not even close. This was I not mean, on the agenda. I, I, this was I, not I on the running agenda, guys. I, I agree Order. Arsenal worse, but there has not been a single club that has dicked on us more in the past 20 years than Chelsea across multiple finals, semi-finals, winning the Champions League to knock us out of it. Frank yeah. Arneson, William, yeah. they parade a racist around as their captain. They have broken football and are solely responsible or, or largely oh, yeah. responsible for destroying the modern game. They don't let black people on trains. And last year they had more, they <laughs> had more club statements denouncing their fans being racist than they did actual wins. Like it is the, the difference between them and any of those other clubs that you mentioned. And I, I do yeah. hate Arsenal more. Is it is it's that saying we have at Spurs where I hate Arsenal because I'm Tottenham, but I hate Chelsea because I'm human. Chelsea are just a complete, <laughs> a complete. I agree with disgust. that completely. I, I would not want Arsenal to go down or ever go out of business. My dream is for Arsenal to be so sh- every season. And I know Daggis is signing because you've really gone off top. I'm cancelling all my plans tomorrow because I'm going to be editing all day. <laughs> and as a neutral, I completely agree. Chelsea are the most disliked club as a neutral. They are vile. They are scum. Chaired by a c- managed by a c- captain by a c- and supported by the biggest c- so absolutely agree with you but as a pure Spurs fan at least for me and I know many many Spurs fans will massively disagree with this yourself included they're fifth or sixth on the list for me as a Spurs fan well Elio it might interest you to know that since we started talking about this I jumped on the plus day of Twitter and I put a poll out saying who do you hate more Chelsea or Man United nine votes have come in already and they're all for Chelsea so. I'm voting as we speak so that's about to be ten <laughs> I there suspect this might be a landslide. Anyway, moving on. And Harry Kane obviously takes us quite nicely into the first of two preseason games that we have not yet talked about. The first being the 5-1 victory against Shakhtar Donetsk, in which Harry Kane, of course, scored four goals, which was lovely to see. Um, I think so. we talked a little bit last time about how in the preseason up until that point, we'd seen Kane kind of not really being sure where to be on the pitch and trying to do his usual dropping deep thing and Richarlison actually looking like he almost improved us. I think Kane answered a few potential critics in this game, didn't he? And reminded us all that he can do the Haaland thing just as well as he can do the De Bruyne thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it was never really up for debate. The idea no. that Harry Kane would forget how to be a number nine, which is what he's done for about the first half of his career, as opposed to the last four years, yeah. was just never a debate to begin with. I don't think we learn anything particularly new. I mean, I, I guess what you said as a reminder, sure, if somebody had somehow forgotten, then I suppose. But at the same time, we also have to remember... This isn't the Shakhtar. Oh, yeah, I forgot he hates Chelsea. So <laughs> that's true. This isn't the Shakhtar that you know used to be a half decent side that would play regular Champions League football. Because unfortunately, they've obviously lost a hell of a lot of pretty much all of their best players due mm. to the war. So we were 
playing Shakhtar in name as opposed to, like I say, a, a, a tough... If you drew them in the group stage of the Champions League, you wouldn't look forward to sort of going over there. So I don't think we learned much new. It was an okay performance. And I think Anne said that himself. We weren't necessarily the most intense. We didn't press relentlessly or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, it's difficult to read too much into preseason either way. I remember battering Roma 5-0 in the summer of 2008. Mm. And then we lost the way yeah. in Middlesbrough. And that was the start that of two points from eight games. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, it's it, it was kind of the, you know, the high point of preseasons that led to this kind of almost immediate nadir really at the time. So I'm not reading too much into it. Like I said, I think Andrew's comments were the most interesting because we had the interview with the Spurs club journalist, I forget his name, Marzi, I think. And he was like, what a great performance that was. And Andrew's like, yeah, it was okay. He really sort of brought him back down <laughs> to it and said, I didn't guy. think we were that good. Getting a lot of abuse, isn't he, that guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he hasn't really done much wrong to be to him. He's just no. trying to be optimistic and keep the hype going, which I understand he's a Spurs for like the rest of us. But it was interesting. And uh, even after the match, I think it was both Madison and Kulises came out and said he gave us a complete bollocking at halftime because in the last five minutes, we switched off and tried to sit yes. on the 1-0 lead. And yeah, you're sitting there and you're looking at that and going, bloody hell, like this is, again, not to read too much into it and, and get overly optimistic, but this guy's really going in on them as early as preseason to, cut, uh, mm. to sort of set the tone. So on one hand, it's the growing pains you expect will be here for several months. Like that isn't going to change overnight just because he gave them a bollocking one time. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're encouraged by the fact that he is acknowledging it and he is trying to Mm -hmm. change their mentality as early as now. So, I mean, I haven't had any doubts about Postacoglu based on anything I've heard and read in the last couple of months. And the more I hear and read about him, the more I am Mm -hmm. falling in love with him. So We've had that so many times where we're just like, okay, one nil will do. I guess that's the Jose Mourinho MO more than anything else. But yeah, that's very encouraging to see. And speaking of Ange quotes, I've got a few gems for you that I'll throw in at the end. So that'd be interesting. I think a couple of notable points about this game from my perspective. First of all, what a goal from Dane Scarlett. Lovely finish. That's, That's exciting to see. It would be great to see him get a few minutes at some point, maybe throughout the season, even if it's only in the cup competitions. But more importantly, perhaps, I think this was probably as close to what I expect will be our first team against Brentford that we've seen so far this preseason. Obviously, Basuma is probably going to come in somewhere, but I'm looking at the team now. It's Vicario, Emerson, Romero, Davies potentially might still start, with depending on how far along in training Van der Ven is, and we'll get on to him. Udogi, Saar, Hoiberg, Kuliseski, Madison, Son, and Kane. So, Elio, do you think that's an indication, given that it was obviously a rotated, heavily rotated team against Barcelona, that this is probably, with Basuma added in, the team we're going to see against Brentford? I think so, yeah. Goalkeeper's obvious. I think Udogi has very much earned the start, but also the fact that he's been used with the first teamers every single time suggests that Postacoglu agrees. Emerson seems to just be edging Porro at the moment. I mean, the goal mm-hmm. we conceded early on against Barca the other day was a cross coming in and Porro being nowhere near the back post. So I think that's something that Ange is probably going to get jitters about and keep Emerson in for now anyway. Romero, obvious. It'll be Van der Zen or Davies. I wouldn't be shocked to see Van der Zen. Van Zen? I'm mispronouncing Van it again. Van der Ven, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I've travelled a lot today. Cut me some slack on this one. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, would, I would be shocked to see him come straight in just because he's already been in training and the pace thing is so important. And mm. we've seen how we are going to be gotten behind a lot. I'm not sure whether it'll be Hoybier or Basuma. I'm pretty confident Madison will be there and I'm not convinced it will be with both Hoybier and Basuma. I wouldn't be shocked to see Sarin instead of one of them. Well, then so, Sar did start this game. So uh, what I was yeah. saying was I was implying that Basuma would come in for Hoybier, but again, I wouldn't be shocked <laughs> to see Hoybier. I just, right now, Basuma is showing the fans what we really want to see out of that position. Mm. And it was almost in better like some of what he did against Barcelona. 
I, I that doesn't that. necessarily yeah. mean it's what the manager wants to see. We aren't in Postacoglu's head. We think Basuma fits the profile of what Postacoglu wants to see, but it may well be that Hoiberg's shown him something that, in terms of solidity, maybe in terms of robustness, that actually he'll feel he's the safer bet. So I'm not mm. convinced Basuma will come in. I'd like to see him come in, and I think that would be the right choice. But at the same time, Hoiberg hasn't done badly either. So toying cost yeah. for me and yeah the front three are the front three on the assumption that Kane stays yeah yeah that's a big assumption um in my humble opinion I actually think Basuma has maybe been our player of pre-season personally or at least the one that I've enjoyed watching the most I've been really impressed with him Sox Basuma first of all I know you're a big fan of what you've seen of him so far but do you expect him to start and what do you think the midfield's going to look like against Brentford? I'm jumping ahead here. I know we've got another game to talk about, but just while we're on it. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. The only reason he doesn't start is if he's carrying a null course or he's unfit or something like that. So absolutely, yes. Okay. I mean, he's going to be the base of that midfield pretty much for the whole season, again, barring injury. One of those will almost certainly be Madison as the right-sided central midfielder. Mm. The left-sided central midfielder is the one where there will be debate because you can make a case for any of Saar, the Celso. He's a placeholder ultimately anyway. Or even Hoiberg. Pretty much, yeah. And, you yeah. know, that might depend on, on the opposition. I think two of those three, we could be pretty confident and nail down. Like, yeah. I don't see why Madison wouldn't start. And obviously, Basuma is dead set. So, uh, the third one, there is a slight question mark over and you can make an argument for, like I say, any any of those three. But otherwise, I think the team kind of mostly picks itself, similar to what Elliot was saying. I think the yeah. question marks are potentially on the right back, potentially on the left center back, the left central midfielder. Obviously, we've got no idea what's going on with Kane. I would make a case for either of Solomon or Perisic to start over Sun, personally, just based mm. off of their profile for what Ange wants to do and how well they've all been performing in preseason. However, I would. My prediction is that Sun will probably start the first few games. He won't do that well because I don't think he's the right fit. And then there will come a point where he will be a bit more justifiably dropped. And that's likely what will happen. I think it's a delicate mm. situation with him where he's almost too good of a player to not play right off the bat. So I think we'll give him an initial chance. And if he doesn't perform, then Solomon mm. and Perisic might do enough in training to push him out. But otherwise, so, like I say, rest of the team thinks it's so. Here's a thought for you then. With all the hullabaloo around Kane at the moment, would it be a huge shock to maybe, regardless of whether Kane's here or not on Sunday, see Son start down the middle and Perisic start off the left and Kulusevski off the right? I mean, Perisic has had a very good preseason. That reverse pass he played through to Reguilón for the Kane goal the other day was absolutely... Was it for the Kane goal? No, it was for the Madison penalty, yeah. So I I, I wouldn't be shocked... If Kane's still here. If Kane's still here, but transfers being discussed or his head's not in the right place whatever you know how it goes with these players the second they have any kind of emotional fragility they're taken out of the firing line so would it be a huge surprise to see Son down the middle and see Kulisevsky and Perisic either side of him because it's not it's also in keeping with a Postacoglu attack I think the one thing Kane has said from what I understand is that if he is here when we play Brentford, he is going to stay for the whole season. I mean, obviously, you know, he could go back on that. But I mean, that's what I newspapers have reported, he said. I haven't heard one thing from Harry yeah. Kane at any point, and that's part of the that's reason true. why we have this confusion, because yeah, Harry Kane and Spurs point, have yeah. both been deathly silent. I don't know. I think that <laughs> yeah. felt very much like a briefing from Kane's camp in terms of it came out simultaneously mm-hmm. in a lot of reliable places. Like it, I know we don't know for certain, but it did have, sometimes you can tell they've got the vibe of the Kane camp has come out and said this without him releasing mm-hmm. a public statement or whatever. Like that's how players release these statements when they don't want to, like what's Kane going to do? Go out on Twitter and say, hi guys, hope you're all doing well. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to be playing against Brentford. Yeah. If it's not, you know, so yeah. I think if, if Kane is line. here, if Kane is here, he starts a thousand percent. Otherwise it will depend yeah. on, I suspect Rashalas would be the, if he's fit, because I think he was carrying a bit of a knock. 
Uh, so do you think he'd go Richarlison down the middle? Let's say, all right, let's say Kane's gone then. Do you think Richarlison down the middle with Son on the left is more likely than Son down the middle with Perisic on the left, given that Perisic has probably had the better preseason of the two players in terms of him mm. and Richarlison? Yes, mm. yes, just because Richarlison is the much better profile as a number nine and Son is good enough as a player to give him a go on the left wing until yeah. we realise that maybe he's not the best fit for it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Is there any chance at some point this season we see Madison and Lo Celso in the same midfield? Only if there's injuries, as far as I'm concerned. You reckon, yeah? You, know, you think that's too attacking, even for Ange? I think that going off of what John said when he guested with us a uh, month yeah. back, I think that there's one number eight who's effectively a number 10, and that'll be Madison, who's got yeah. more free reign, or Lo Celso if he plays. And the other one does have more all rounds, and that's likely to be Benton Court when fit. I think there's a reason why we're seeing Oliver Skip playing as a number eight rather than as a number six in preseason, for instance. And I think that's because Postacoglu does want the second number eight to have that little bit more discipline it's almost sort of mm. like we're going to have a six an eight and a half and an eight and three quarters uh yeah. as the three midfielders what, so they can both they can both put in the donkey work i mean they both work hard i think lacelso put in a few nice tackles in the last game as well like i know and they're not exactly been very very box energetic i mean under Mourinho in a midfield two with harry winks he was he was holding yeah. his own but i think from what i've seen in pre-season from the lineups we've had it's unlikely to be the two of them unless there's injuries. It just it just doesn't seem to be... Yeah. I mean, as risk-averse as our manager isn't, I think that will be where he's going to hedge his bets a little bit, especially with the defence still not up to scratch. Maybe once the defence looks like what he wants it to look like with Van der Ven and Romero hopefully meshing with the goalie, getting some confidence off the line, etc., etc., maybe when we're at that stage, we'd see the sort of slightly more attack-focused midfield. But I think yeah. he'll probably want some form of robustness initially. Yeah. That, that's just my guts. I, I'd love to be wrong because I'd love to see them together. I know you would, yeah. Or if we're 2-0 down and we're chasing a game with 15 minutes to go, maybe we'll see that for sure. Uh, so that was that was the second game in a row with five goals, of course, two against West Ham. Um, fun stat for you both. In those three games, West Ham, Lion City Sailors and Shakhtar, we took 101 shots three games for uh, context for reference in the whole of last season apparently we took 512 shots <laughs> that's a fifth of our season's worth of shots in three games which is a sign of things to come so that's a little bit nuts uh slightly less dominant in the next game against barcelona but arguably no less impressive because we basically held our own for most of the game against essentially a Barcelona first team with our B team. Um, what do you guys think of that game as a whole? And were you pleasantly surprised with the squad depth that we're demonstrating there? Or even just the system? Yeah, this was the more impressive performance of the two. I saw somewhere on Twitter, yeah. I think it was Dan Kilpatrick maybe, and he said this is the sort of team that normally Spurs would cobble together for an FA Cup game in the last couple yeah. of years and lose one nil away lose. to championship opposition. Yeah. It's a hundred percent that, and yet you look at the. We spoke about it a lot last season, actually, uh, where we were, we were talking about how with the right coach, these players that were all slagging off will look like completely different players. It's no different to what. Pochettino did with the likes of Rose, Walker, Vertonga, Dembele, and so on mm. and so forth. And you're seeing that now. I mean, a lot of these players still have their limitations. Reguilon has never really been a good defender. Dyer, since that appendicitis he had in 2017-18, has never really looked the same bar maybe one season under Conte. So I think there yeah. are certain things that you're looking at and it's like, okay, well, these players are pretty much dead certainties for not being very good. But otherwise, you're seeing the same players. I mean, I thought Damison Sanchez in that game 
Oh, I was brilliant. all of a sudden yeah. I was looking at yeah. it. And, uh, yeah. Fifteen minutes ago, I was saying let's not overreact to preseason, but I'm sitting here thinking let's just give this yeah. guy a new contract. Who needs I the other centre back? Someone, like, someone shared the original announcement saying Tottenham have signed a new defender, <laughs> Davidson Sanchez. Basically, <laughs> like, who is this guy? We've never seen him before. A bit harsh, but I yeah, mean, he, he was, was brilliant. He was the player we thought we'd sign pretty much six years ago. To be completely honest with you, mm-hmm. and again, you don't want to overreact to one preseason game, but it does show you the benefit of coaching. And this is in what six weeks in a disrupted preseason yeah. where one of those we were meant to be playing Roma and ended up against a, with all due respect, F-tier side. And one of the mm. games was rained off. And again, like I was saying before, against the Shakhtar team who unfortunately don't have the quality they did yeah. a few years ago because they've lost all their best players. So it's been a really disrupted preseason. And what already doing this it's it's all i wanted mm-hmm. from this season i know the season hasn't kicked off yet we had to play a game but all i really wanted from this season was to be able to close my eyes and imagine what this team might look like in 12 24 months and i've yeah. already seen enough breadcrumbs from preseason to to basically have that i don't know if it will come to light in three months time in six months time or in two years time but you're starting to see it already so i don't care about yeah. the loss that you know there was a million substitutions on both sides it was oh yeah regular, and pulling up with injuries yeah, Basuma was knackered, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't really care about the, the goals. We can see it towards the end. But the performance itself was more than encouraging for sure. Yeah, the great tweet from uh, Spooky23 in quotations, it's the players. Turns out it's the coaching, <laughs> which I, mm. I like. That sums it up, doesn't it? Elio, uh, I want to ask you about, well, first of all, shout out to Oliver Skip, who scored two goals against Barcelona away, which is spectacular. I think he's only ever scored once from what I remember before that. I also love the fact that when Barcelona's official Twitter posted about the goal, they just said, goal, whatever minute, Oliver like they were trying to pass him off as some kind of like Brazilian wonder kid rather than just Oliver <laughs> Skip. Um, someone, someone pointed that out. That was funny. Um, but I want to talk to you about Skip, Elio, because I, I remember many, many episodes ago, and I did try and dig out exactly when it was that you said this, but I can assure you it was a long time ago. You started talking about the potential of Skip transitioning into a more box-to-box, slightly more advanced number eight type, which I don't think many people saw coming. And it looks like if he is going to play this season, even though he could definitely do a job at, at the base of midfield, he may well be getting forward a little bit more. Um, talk to us about that transition. And do you think we can see more of that as the season goes on? Um, I think in terms of his ability on the ball, he's good at taking the ball quickly and using it quickly. And he's an athletic player, very agile player as well. And just quite an aggressive player, which obviously in a high press system, you, you want a bit of that sort of the number eight. I, th- I think he has a lot of the ingredients there. What's, we haven't seen really from him other than a couple of glimpses like uh, the passing for the goal against Liverpool, for instance, is mm. a great amount of creativity. But these are things midfielders learn with time. And I think very few midfielders are in their final form at the age of 20, 21, 22 anyway. I think a lot of them do take a while. I mean, Iniesta was playing on the wing until he was sort of 25, 26. I, I just think it takes a while and... I may be bitten in the arse and be wrong and he just does end up sort of a water-carrying player. But I think there's yeah. a lot of ingredients for for him to end up playing higher up the pitch in that kind of number eight position. I think the only thing that could stop him making that kind of tra- transition is his own sort of belief and bravery in himself and on the ball. And that's where you need a good manager to coach these things into you. It may also yeah. just be that he was there for the game and he'll end up being a number six for us under Postacoglu once sort of we've got our full complement of midfielders all sort of in sync, fit, re- in rhythm and raring to go. But yeah, I, yeah. I, 
I've long said that he could do it and I don't really see a part of his game that should prevent him doing that. It's just about what's between the ears. Well, let's see where he fits in. Uh, it's good to see we've got a few options for a few different formations. Um, one guy who will inevitably be in our starting lineup pretty shortly, whether it's in, against Brentford or against Man United, is uh, Mickey van der Veen. I think is how you pronounce it. Dutch centre-back, the fastest defender in the Bundesliga last season with a top speed of 22.3 miles per hour, which means absolutely nothing to me. But for comparison, Kyle Walker last season was clocked at a top speed of 23.1. So he's nearly as fast as Kyle Walker, which sounds good enough for me and sounds like a very important attribute for a team that is going to spend most of their time camped over the halfway line. Socks, what do you know about Spurs' brand new VDV and what are you expecting from him? I was hoping you would have come to me because the answer to that question is the square root of f- all. <laughs> shall I, shall I just, just bat that well, one away to Elio? <laughs> I, I, I've read the same things and I've seen the same yeah. things as everybody else. The, the, the big takeaway seems to be that this isn't uh, signing kind of a Tongan in his prime here. We're signing a 22-year-old who has played, I think, 38 games for Wolfsburg across two seasons. 33 of them came last year. You're signing yeah. someone that has a very high ceiling but is incredibly raw. So all of this is to say I'm expecting a hell of a lot of mistakes, partly because of him and partly because of the way that we play will invite those sorts of mistakes anyway. So for as good as his recovery pace is, this is a guy that hasn't played in Europe. He hasn't played, like I say, for more than one full season for an okay side in Germany with all due respect. He hasn't played at Mm. a senior international level, only under 21. So we are signing a very inexperienced... This isn't like signing... Even Deli Alli at 18, 19 had way more games playing for MK Dons in League One yeah. than he does playing for, I know, different teams and leagues and whatnot. But you're signing a very inexperienced player. So I, I hope... <laughs> I, that positivity. My I concern is that our fans, especially given the, the way we slagged off Emerson and Sanchez and, and players like that, we, we ruled out Kuliseski after a 20-minute cameo appearance. Yeah. I'm concerned that the second the mistakes come in, which will be potentially sooner, potentially frequent, we might start to turn. So I hope... This is a plea to anyone listening. Please, um, okay. please give him time. Let's let's have faith that in a year or two, and who knows, it might even be quicker than that. Maybe he takes to Ange into the the Premier League uh, like a duck to water. But I'm expecting a talented left centre back, like you said, incredibly good in terms of his recovery pace. Seems fairly comfortable on the ball. He doesn't seem to be that good aerially, despite being so tall. Necessarily um, is what I've read mm-hmm. anyway. But he does have the makings of a solid Premier League centre back, but. Um, mistakes I don't know about a plenty but mistakes all the same will come so let's just exercise some patience they absolutely will I think the thing working in his and any of our defenders favour because we're looking like having quite a really young defence with Udogi on the left him at left centre back any of our right backs uh, I think Emerson's the oldest at 24 and Poro's 22 or 23 still so Romero will be the senior statesman at 24 years old I think uh, (laughs) I think the benefit to all of them is that they will be playing in a team that should have most of the ball and far away from them for most of the matches we play. All right, I'm pretty sure we'll be ragdolled a little bit by Manchester City because, well, the other way worked against them and no one else. So I'm pr- I think <laughs> yeah. that might be a rude awakening, but I feel like mm. in the majority of games we play, we'll have enough of the ball to mitigate the risks posed by that very young back five. And I say back five because the goalkeeper is also young for a goalkeeper and in his debut season course, in the Premier League. Yeah. So, so we'll see. I think, I think the only thing that concerns me in terms of the newness to the league, the age of all these guys, et cetera, et cetera, is that 
I'm wondering where leadership will really come from. Because one thing you can say with Loris, Ben Davies, Eric Dyer, even Longley on loan last season, if you will, is that you do have players there that have big personalities, that have respect in the dressing room, that will be able to take people by the scruff of the neck on the pitch. And that's just not going to exist in that back five mm. if the expected back five is what it looks like being. I'd almost go as far to say that Emerson Royale's going to have to play the dad of the group from right back because he's been <laughs> well, here. Anyway, remind you that mere hours ago when you were convinced Kane was about to leave, you pitched Romero as our potential new captain. I did. I did. So in my mind, I our best that. bet for captain, if fit, is Rodrigo Bentoncourt. I think he is mm. the most natural fit for it in the squad. If we're going to go for who the biggest profile would be, and also someone who is a leader, even if he's not a loud, pointy-shouty one on the pitch, Son would obviously always be a good contender for that. I think Madison has a bit of leadership about him. He speaks extremely well. Yeah. He's clearly a very yeah. driven player as well. But I think Benton calls the most obvious choice. But yeah. outside of that, I think... Who knows, a captaincy could be the making of Romero. It could be it could be the thing that actually gets him to calm his tits a little bit. Obviously, he has the, the passion and the fight and the lead-by-example element to be a captain. Yeah. The thing that we worry about with him is his hothead, but maybe the captaincy could help him take a bit more accountability and responsibility for his actions. That said, I don't think Arsenal ever minded Vieira as captain. I don't think Man United ever minded no. Roy Keane as captain, Roy and Keane. they weren't yeah. exactly playing within the lines, yeah. were they? Or Sergio Ramos, <laughs> for that matter. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we established last week that somehow, against all odds, you are evidently the logical one, and Sox is the emotional one of the two of you. So I, I want to appeal to your logical <laughs> side here. I, I need you mm. to tell me if I'm being ridiculous and if, I, if I'm unduly worrying here, but I, I can't help. And you kind of hinted at it here by talking about how young they all are. But I look at our defence and I think Romero loves running up halfway up the pitch to make tackles. Van der Ven, by all accounts, is somebody who loves carrying the ball up the pitch and is a very attacking centre-back, if such a thing exists. Yudogi, we've obviously established, is essentially a forward. Uh, and very much the same with Poro. Okay, slightly less so with Emerson, but you know, Poro probably will get a fair share of minutes. Am I right to be slightly concerned that we're going to have nobody anywhere near our goal? <laughs> is, there, is there any way that that works? <laughs> you know, I, I, in, um, without having an unbelievable team like Barcelona or Man City, like, is that cause for concern am i being a bit dramatic um i think yeah because cause for concern especially with a new manager as well and players adapting to a new start but like i said the aim is to be playing in the other team's half the aim is to be playing with the overwhelming amount of possession every game so that should mitigate the risk somewhat and then you just do the cost benefit analysis of playing that high up the pitch how many goals do you expect to concede versus score of that because the flip side to that scare factor of there being a lot of space between them and the goal is if they are winning the ball really high up the pitch our attacks are getting started a lot earlier with the opposition team on the back foot and yeah. our goal scorers in a lot more space. So the manager's not just plucking his ideals out of what would Spurs fans like to see and what did um, Bill Nicholson and Danny Blanchflower once say and get quoted over and over relentlessly till the end of time. The manager's done this because he's identified what he sees as the best way to play football, but also the best way to win football matches. And so far, it served him well. So, yeah, 
there is the concern that we're going to concede some goals that we otherwise wouldn't concede, but we're definitely going to score mm. some goals that we otherwise wouldn't be scoring in the past few years. And that's 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 a trade-off that I'm willing to gamble on as a fan because, to tell you the yeah. truth, I, I, I'd much rather we fail because we've thrown the kitchen sink at it than we fail because we've been too scared to even try, which is what Spurs post-Pochettino has been. Yeah, I think uh, another thing that's worth mentioning in terms of preseason recently, we've definitely not been afraid to play the ball around in our own half and to actually get out of a press as well, which was nice to see. So yeah, let's hope that we can kind of mitigate for any shakiness by just actually being really composed when we do have the ball. Socks, you said that you know, and I quote, the square root of all about Mickey van der Ven. I expect you probably know little more about our other signing that we made hours later, or at least announced hours later. Um, what's his name? Alejo Veniz. <laughs> I see, I don't even know his <laughs> name. <laughs> at least you probably know more than me. Feliz, yeah. Well, Alejo Feliz. Do you know anything about him worth contributing other than his Argentinian forward? Uh, no, not a tremendous man more than that. I mean, he's more of the, he seems to be more of a traditional number nine, incredibly mm. hardworking, uh, I guess kind of a standard target man. Um, obviously, there were loads of, there was loads of talk about whether he was going to go back on loan to Rosario. That isn't really the case. I'm curious to see if Kane is to stay, then you've got your options down the middle of being Kane, Richarlison, and potentially Son. Does that mean we yeah. loan him out anyway? Are we sent well. him to another club in Europe? Scarlet's another one. Jamie yeah. Donnelly, potentially we've got a lot of good strikers in, in amongst the youth team. Some of them will go out on loan. So it's a weird one to get excited about because I'm not, my feeling is that we're probably going to loan him out is my is my, based on absolutely nothing at all. But mm. assuming Kane is staying, which seems to be the case as we record, I can't see a pathway to him, uh, to the first team beyond injury upon injury upon yeah. injury. So, yeah, seems another one that's incredibly inexperienced. Obviously, can be potentially hit or miss coming from South America. I mean, you look at someone like Julian Alvarez comes yeah. in straight into the City team and is all kinds blazing. But at the same time, you look at, say, what Brighton have done. And when they signed Alexis McAllister, they loaned him out for two straight years until he was ready and then got him back in. And then he looked like a superstar. So, mm. obviously, the club will know. They haven't indicated either way, but the club will know exactly what their intentions were for him when they signed him and those have yet to be communicated to us but um we'll see but like i say personally yeah. i'm leaning toward him probably not featuring all that much for us this season yeah i expect it's probably not worth getting into too much about it because we probably won't see very much from him at all but for what it's worth i have a quote about him watching him play reminds me of what suarez used to play like i'm very excited for the future of this country and hope i can be an influence to these people and talk to him that is one Lionel Messi talking about him, comparing him to Luis Suarez. So uh, I'm not going to argue with Lionel Messi. That sounds very exciting, but maybe we'll have to wait a couple of years to see uh, the second coming of Suarez uh, up front for us. Right. Shall we talk about Brentford then? I know we've kind of talked about our expected lineups and, and what to expect. Now, again, I'm, I'm going to get really negative here and I need somebody to bring me down to earth and calm me down. But I, I can't help feeling that Brentford is one of the worst teams that we could play in our current state because I think, if preseason has shown us anything weakness-wise, it is that we don't deal well with set pieces slash crosses into the box slash headers. And it's well documented that we're going to struggle against teams putting balls in over the top and in behind and exploiting our high line. Brentford are quite good at both of those things. Do I have reason to be concerned? Um, I mean, we can go through every side we're going to play in the Premier League and say reason to be concerned about what they do well there in the Premier League because mm. they get sides that do something well. Brentford's is that. It's 
potentially play it to a weakness of ours, but if we're going into this game worrying about them more than we will be trying to impose things on them to worry about us, then this isn't the manager that we've all been buying into for the past couple of months. I, I, I Yeah, mm-hmm. let's be concerned that they're good from set pieces and that we're weak in that area, but let's be confident that we have a bunch of very exciting attacking players that are far superior, in theory anyway, to their quality of defender. It, it goes both ways. Yeah. Um, you know what I love I mean, about you, I don't think I've ever asked you. I've never asked you how a game's going to go, and you turned around and said, oh, "I think we're going to lose," or "I'm really worried." No. You, you always, you always put a positive spin on it. We could be playing Man City, we could be playing Real Madrid, and you're like, "You know what? I think we can do it because this, this, and this." I like that, but, it, but you back it up. It's not just blind. Delusion. I still don't think we're in a world where we're going away to Brentford and should expect anything other than victory. And that's not a disrespect for Brentford. That's a look at the players we have and the players they have. And Mm. thinking to myself, yes, they're a good side, but if we click, we're a very good side. Well, I'm feeling slightly better now that I'm seeing their preseason results. They played five games of preseason and they have not won one of them. Their results in order, starting with the earliest, which I expect was probably a youth team or reserve team, but they drew one all with Boreham Wood. They lost to Fulham. They lost to Brighton. They drew 3-3 with Villa. I don't know if you saw that game, but that was when Esri Concer scored an absolute wonder goal, basically ran the whole pitch like Son against Burnley um, and drew 0-0 with Lille in their most recent game. So they're not setting the world alight, but again... Preseason is preseason. Socks, based on what you saw from Brentford last season and, and all things considered and, and what you're expecting from us, are you as cautiously optimistic as Elio? Yeah, you just said you felt a lot better, but I'm about to make you feel a whole lot worse pretty quickly, I think. I'm ready. If this was 12 months from now, I would have said exactly what Elio said, go out there and expect to win. I put a lot of stock into time, or in our case, a lack thereof. Like we were saying before, it's it's impressive how far we've come in six weeks worth of preseason. But there are so many of what you would describe as like intangibles that are really difficult to measure, but will all have an impact. Like we talk about the fine margins in football, and our players will be half a yard off where they need to be. Positionally, they won't be exactly where they need to be. The trigger for the press might not be as automatic as it is because half of them have been barely doing it. Like look at the team from back to front. Vicario, brand new goalkeeper. Udogi, brand new left back. Van de Ven, brand new left centre back. Romero isn't brand new, but he's not played with any of those. And whoever the right back is hasn't played with any of those. It isn't Romero. Uh, yeah, apart from Romero, yeah. sorry. Basuma, basically brand new. Lascelles, yeah. if he plays, basically brand new. Madison is brand new. The centre forward may well be if it's Kane. There is absolutely not a shred of stability across this entire nothing. There's not a single part. The only partnership that we and have. Why was so good? Why is, was so good at this is, Because it's pre season. <laughs> We're playing tier <laughs> teams of Lord of Set where the, the only partnership that exists that you can say has some sort of link up is the one of Kane and Son, but that might be used in a different way this season. And we don't even know if Kane's going to be here anyway. I think a lot of that, look, I'm not saying we're hundred percent going to lose. I don't, I would sit on the fence and probably say a draw if I had to give a prediction, but mm. I am expecting a bumpy. You asked me this about the Man United game when we played Burnley or Sheffield United or whoever is in our first handful of fixtures. I'd probably say the same thing. Like these fine margins make a hell of a difference. And I don't think that's that bad of a thing. I'm not saying that I'm happy if we lose games or drop points, but my expectations have been completely reset for this season, completely reset. We have hired a manager and given him a four-year project to move away from the win-now mentality that hasn't served us well because we're not the club that are built for that. I'm not going into this season with that same win-now mentality anymore. I'm going into it exactly how I was going into it, but similar anyway to Pochettino's first season, which is this is another foundational transitional season. 
that is building to something bigger if we get it right in two, three, four years' time. I think the problem that we have as a club in general is that our fans have been asked to sit through so many of these transitional seasons, so many foundational seasons, so many cycles, so many projects that never seem to end because we never get anywhere and then we start them all over again. It is incredibly difficult, I feel, for our fan base to stomach yet another, okay, we might finish eighth this year, building towards better things that the better things never come. So uh, it's going to be a bit of a weird one. Uh, I am definitely more on the cautious end of things compared to Elliot. But I think, again, not that I'm happy with dropping points, but I think that's fine. We need to be a bit realistic yeah. and pragmatic about where we are. You can't just chuck a brand new defense and a brand new midfield, some of whom have never played in this country before, and just because they have talent. I mean, Van der Ven has had, what, one training session? We're assuming he plays here. Like, mm. What the hell are we realistically expecting? Yeah. And Brentford are a good team with a good coach. So yeah. there isn't a single result on the weekend that I think would shock me. I don't think there's one. Yeah, I'd agree with you on all of that. I absolutely would. And... I'm, I've been, I've been, I was saying sort of familiarity is key before I was called to say familiarity is key. So I really won't screw with the words you just said. I just have that very old fashioned thing about me where I just believe there's no point in watching if you don't think you're going to win. That, <laughs> that's just me. I, I, I just <laughs> don't. Said, I will say this and, and call me soft for this or, or, you know, negative, but I think there is a version of that game where we lose and I come away feeling positive. And I think I've ever said yeah. that. And I'm not, obviously, you know what I mean? I'm I not saying that's going to be true lose. of a lot of games this season. Well, it's yeah. been true of a lot yeah. of, of a couple of preseason games, to be fair. And and I think the bar is set so low that I almost don't mind if we if we come away from our first two games with points or even no points, as long as we look like it's taking shape. Obviously, it's going to suck to lose at home to Man United if we do. But again, another team that really we don't want to be playing at this stage because they will they will cause us trouble. But like you said earlier, <laughs> every team is good in this league, right? We need to we need a bit of a baptism of fire, I suppose, and we need to just get on with it and start. Brentford learning are hard. still now going to have to adapt to trying to score bundles of goals. I know they did it against us on the last season last year, but they're going to have to adapt to know even Tony on a regular basis. Like before they did it right when they didn't have him from time to time. Now they're without even Tony for a sustained period of time. And he's a very, very good player. He's the player that I'd have taken to replace Harry Kane. Well, they've changed a couple of key personnel. So obviously Tony's out for a while and um, Bomo is essentially taking his place, even though he was playing before, but I think he's kind of stepped up to be Mm. the main goal threat. He's had a fairly good preseason by all accounts. Also the goalkeeper, of course, has gone, who uh, less said about that, the better, but he's gone. And (laughs) from what I've seen in preseason, I don't think Flecken, who's probably going to start for them, is quite the goalkeeper. Uh, David Rea uh, is or was. So there's, there's something to be taken from that, but... Let's see. This is the team that beat Man City twice last year, so let's not get, get too carried away. Unless there's anything else to say about the Brentford game, which there may well be, but I was going to move on to talk about a few quick predictions ahead of the new season, because we do this every year. Yeah, let's let's right do the predictions. Let's do the predictions this then, will be shall we? And, first um, time. I should mention that Dave has sent me all of his. I, I gave you all a, a quick kind of run through of the, the main things to predict. Nothing too groundbreaking, but if you can think of anything else. But what we will also do at the end is just throw in a few generic hot takes, be they about Spurs or about the Premier League in general, mm. or just anything to do with football that you think is, uh, is worth mentioning. Um, first of all, the big one, where are we going to finish in the Premier League this season? Socks, since it's your first time, you can have this honour. I was completely torn between six and seven. So I just wrote down six and a half and I'm not entirely sure what that means, but that's the number that came into my head. I think I've got a nailed down top three of Man City, Arsenal and United. I honestly think fourth to eighth is a massive free for all, especially now where Liverpool don't have a defensive midfielder. Chelsea don't have a midfield. The status of our best player is up in the air. 
all these guys, like, like there are rumors that Liverpool might splurge 100 million on Caicedo. That changes things, for example. Lord knows what we'll do if Kane goes. So I would not be shocked if we finished fourth or fifth, but I'm going slightly more yeah. cautious, basically because of everything I said, where I think we are going to drop so many points. I, I think it will take us at least three months to properly click. Mm-hmm. I think we will probably drop enough stupid points in those first three months that, that will probably see us out of fourth. I know fifth gets you probably Champions League this season, depending on what happens, but I think our coefficient in England is good enough to get that. So fifth wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility. But I think the broad target for this season is get back into some form of European football. Europa League would obviously be ideal as the minimum. And I think we will probably just about do it, but not confident enough to say sixth. So six and a half. Yeah, just the number would have been fine socks now, I'm joking. Uh, I've got you you down for 6.5 then. 6.5 is your league position, hedging your bets. Yeah, I must admit, I was torn between like third and 12th, to be honest with you. Um, I will will settle on a prediction though, but first, let's hear Elios. I'm not going to be quite as optimistic as I usually am. Oh dear. And I'm going to go with fourth. You're not wrong either. That's the thing. That's actually, yeah. Okay. What was the uh, out of interest? What was the optimistic prediction of fourth? Is the reason for <laughs> Well, for the past couple of seasons, I've predicted third, so I've yeah, predicted yeah. fourth for this coming season. I think you're right. Fourth, eighth will be a bit of a free for all. Listen, like I said, I don't believe in pessimism as a football fan i just don't i think you support because you believe and you believe because you support and it's an upward spiral that feeds into itself until you say things like i just said basically uh it could be worse i could be saying we'll win the league you believe and you believe because you support i feel like they should print that on one of the stands in our stadium that's up there to dare is to do that's lovely it could be be i I, I, I quite agree um so yeah you support because you believe (laughs) you believe because you support and I, I, I just see that, and that gets me through about half of my thought process, to tell you the truth, about what's going to happen. The other half is basically, we have some very, very good players. We have a very, very good manager. We have a squad that has got depth throughout in most areas. We can debate the quality of that depth, but I think a lot of the purple and yellow brigade massively overstates how deficient yeah. we are in some areas. To tell you the truth, I think right now, if this is our squad for the season, including keeping Kane, it's a very good squad. So I yeah. just I just don't see much reason to be pessimistic. I agree that the two Manchester clubs are going to be nailed on for top three. I still am not completely sold on what's going on with that lot down the Seven Sisters. I think um, mm. especially a couple of the injuries they're currently contending with could give them a bit of food for thought. And I think last year... Without pressure, they caught a lot of teams by surprise. This year, there's a lot more pressure with yeah. the business they've been doing. And let's see how it goes, especially with Champions League football midweek every week as well. Yeah. Um, and then us, Liverpool, Chelsea, Newcastle. It's a bit of a lottery, really, to tell you the truth. But I feel like we're, we're in a very strong position. The Nkunku injury for a very huge chunk of the opening mm. of the season, very good news for us. Like Sox says, Liverpool have no defence. Um, they've got a midfield that's really going to have to reform now. And then, then looking at sort of Newcastle, I, I still don't think they're that great. I just think they did mm. very well above the sum of their parts last season. They've got a manager I like a lot and they have a couple of players that I think are good. But I still think they're a few years away from their project and they're going to find Champions League football very hard to juggle with the Premier League. 
so in summary, it's, it's half thought process and half come on you Spurs, basically, <laughs> is how you arrived at that, that decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he's, he's, hoping yeah. To, um, he's hoping to Arsenal crashing down in uh, sort of Leicester 2017-esque fashion. That would do us a favour. I, I am going to, and I promise you, Elio, you have in no way swayed me on this. I had already written this down. And you might be surprised to hear, I've also gone for fourth with my prediction. With a twist that will come in <laughs> when I do my hot takes. Um, and that is not that six or seven teams will be disqualified and kicked out of the league. Um, anyway, that would be a hot take. Uh, moving on to, uh, oh, also Dave. Dave predicted that we will finish in sixth place. So there you go. Okay. Um, the next one is, is who's going to be our second top goal scorer. And that is on the assumption that our obvious first top goal scorer is not going to buy Munich. Uh, after Kane, assuming he stays, who's going to be second in the goal scoring chart, Socks? Uh, I've, I've gone for the obvious pick in Richarlison. I think he'll play obvious, is it? as a well. He'll. I think he will be the natural replacement. My my suspicion is we buy a young striker like Orban and we spend the money on the rest of the squad and other centre backs, something like that. I'm op, I'm operating under that okay. uh, assumption. I think if you look at Richarlison when he's actually played in the correct position, either down the middle or off the left, like he's done in a crap Everton side mm. in the last couple of years when they've when they've been at risk of going down, he's hit something like 13 goals. I don't think we have without Kane, a 20-goal-a-season player in there. I think Son, we've already alluded to, I think he might struggle in the system this season. So I think it's between it, it was between Richarlison and Madison for me because Madison is another player that consistently hits in or around double figures, and that's not even necessary. I think he got 10 league goals last year mm. in a Leicester side that went down and he played 30 games. So for a midfielder, he's got a one in three. But I think if Richarlison gets a clear run down that number nine spot, I think I, I don't think he's going to hit 20, but it would not shock me if he hits mm-hmm. 15, 16, and that ends up being our top scorer. I think that's borderline hot take based on the amount of minutes he's likely to get compared to some other players, but I am not going to challenge you on that. Instead, I'm going to turn to Elio and get his prediction. So if Kane leaves, I think Richarlison will be top scorer. That, that's different. That, that stands to reason. If Kane yeah. stays... And therefore, Charleston's minutes are relatively siphoned. Again, I think he'll do better than last season, for what it's worth, because he'll be playing yep. in a team that that operates on the basis of creating high percentage chances. So I think he'll actually do all right. But I think our second top scorer, this is just going to stink of bias because he's the one I love to watch, so I'm always going to say him. But I think this is uh, going to be the year of the know. Kulusevsky. Yeah, I knew I think, it. I think this is just going to be the ginger from Sweden's year. I think he's <laughs> by far the most talented footballer at the club. I think he's got everything you want physically from a Premier League player. I think he's showing in preseason that he's back to that brave, direct running with also the beautiful little first touches that take him past a man straight away and buy him the extra yards. And I just think there's going to be a mixture of him getting into the box and using his body well when the ball's on mm-hmm. the other side. Madison loves across from the left as does Perisic so I think there'll be some fruits uh, from that but I also think we're going to see a few wonder goals I, I reckon we're going to get a minimum of three thunder bastards from Kulusevski this year well, I think, th- I think, That's definitely I think this take. is the year of a this is the year of Kulusevski. I'm, I'm convinced of it. It may interest you to know, Elio, that a mere 1.7% of FPL managers have parted with the 7 million required to put Kulusevski into their team 
for what it's worth. I don't know if you finished. I imagine you haven't finished your FPL team. And for reference, with the FPL deadline is about 24 hours away uh, as we as the thing stands. So anyway, I better get on with that. I expect you plan on being in it. Um, but yeah, that is a very interesting one. Dave has predicted. I'm interested, Dax. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm monitoring. Sorry, I'm monitoring That's the right. poll you part earlier in terms of who hate more Chelsea oh, yeah. versus Man United. It's 94.2% in favor of Chelsea, but there are there two people in the replies that both replied with out of who do you hate more, Chelsea or Man United? They both replied with Daniel Levy. So you might need to add, you might need to add a third option in there. The third option would have won, I think, so, shout out to Shout out to Paul Dyer and, Mitch, and Richie Holmes for, for I, that. Thank you. I'm not exaggerating when I say I think if it said, who do you hate more, Sol Campbell or Daniel Levy, Daniel Levy would probably still win at the moment. Um, anyway, anyway, Dave's prediction for second top goal scorer was James Madison, which I have disagreed with. And I've gone for Son. And I actually think we're going to see Son getting back to his best this season. I know it's not exactly the perfect system for him, but I think I've seen enough that he looks good. He seems happy. He seems confident. And I'm basing this almost entirely on the fact that he's claimed he was injured all of last season, which sounds like a convenient excuse for being rubbish to me. But I've just got a feeling about Son. So I'm going for him, which means we've all gone for different people. So that'll be interesting. Watch none of us be right. Next one is who's going to get the most assists. I imagine there might be a little bit more unison on this one. Uh, Socks, most assists. Uh, I went for Kuliseski, so I've also got a year for Kuliseski, but I think he's more of an assister than he is a goal scorer. Uh, Similar Mm. to earlier, I think he's probably the best player we have. I I mean, I I will say now, Kuliseski will be the next player that leads us to go to Real Madrid in two, three years' time. I know it's not a happy thing to to talk about, but I think he's on that level. He has the potential to be at that level. I think him probably playing off of the right just by virtue of the fact that we don't really have another right winger to be honest means that he's going to get plenty of minutes in a position where he's going to be incredibly far up the pitch and whether he's crossing it into Kane, Richarlison, whoever it may be I think there'll be enough there I mean it's probably a toss-up between him and Madison to be completely honest but similar to Elio I've got such a strong bias towards him that yeah cooler for me okay Elio I think because he's going to own the set pieces Madison's a very strong shout for that. I think mm. it's probably between him and Kulisevsky. But I think Madison's going to be the man on corners from the left and the right almost all the time. And I think he's he's going to be on all the free kicks as well. So I'd be very... I, I think that's going to do him a lot of favours in that. Also, he's just a great passer of the ball and that counts for a lot. So, yeah, I'm really sort of confident in that. Yeah, that seems like a very very sensible approach. Dave Kulisevsky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, for his thunder bastards, Dave agrees with you, and he's put Madison as not only second top goal scorer but most assists. He obviously thinks Madison's going to have a great year, and I have also gone for Madison for the assists. Here it gets a bit more fun. Who's going to get? <laughs> this might be a, a landslide like Chelsea versus Man United. Who's going to get the most yellow cards? It's oh, Christian it's, Romero. Is it? It's not yes. going to be anybody it else. <laughs> Next question, Elio. Do you agree? It, I think him or Basuma. Basuma is mm. fairly um, fond of giving away a free kick. So, so it's between those two. Um, just to be different, I'll say Basuma, but... You know, yeah, am I allowed to change? It's going to be Romero. I, I had written down Romero just because I didn't want to be too clever, but now you said Basuma, I'm suddenly thinking of the amount of times we're going to be caught on the counter-attack and someone is going to have to wrestle somebody down to stop a chance. I just hate it. That might have to be Basuma just because of where he is on the pitch. It'll be the Fernandinho special, won't it? I'm going to go with Basuma as well, and I'm changing this, which I think is cheating, but I'm okay with it because I'm in charge. Um, I mean, for what it's worth, I'm hearing these questions for the first time. I, I, I missed the message you sent you asking plan. for us to think oh, about okay. it. Well, that, that does not even remotely surprise me, Elio. Um, 
And actually, yeah, surprise of the season is going to be one of ours. Dave has actually mixed it up a bit, which is interesting. Dave has gone for Van der Ven, which is interesting. Mm. Maybe he knows something we don't, okay. but he's got a feeling that Van der Ven is going to get more yellows than Romero. That's going to be interesting to see. You'd think with his pace, he won't need to commit as many fouls, but who knows? Let's see. Next is our top three for player of the season in order. And I think we're including Kane. Uh, I, no, so I, I deliberately left out Kane because it just okay. seemed like too much of an obvious pick and it'd be boring. Okay. Not because he Let's might go, but it just seems so dull. So I'm going a, a Kane-less top three. Third, I've got Lacelso. Second, I've got Kulisevsky. Yeah. And first, I've got Yves Bissouma. I think Bissouma will be the revelation we knew that he would be when we signed him, but a combination of injuries and Conte essentially ruined that whole last year. I think there are going to be a lot of people, not taken by surprise, but I almost feel like people maybe more so outside of Tottenham have just kind of forgotten that he exists. Like when yeah. we signed him, it was absolute pandemonium from rival fans, yeah. Arsenal fans, Liverpool fans, Man United fans, all collectively going, how the hell have they managed to nab a player this good for 25 million quid? I think this season we will see that player. Like he's... He's one of the injuries, you know, permitting and health permitting. He's mm. one of the few dead certainties I can completely speak with full confidence that I think he's going to have an absolute killer season. There's been a lot about how behind the scenes and just really been bigging him up. He's been taking mm. a leadership role. Uh, there was actually an article today in The Athletic with Pape Sar, Sar. Yeah. Uh, going on about how, you know, he's been very much a big brother to him and that sort of stuff. Mm. So it really seems like he is reveling in it. Like he seems like a really big character and personality. So I think he's going to be a massive player for us and I'm going to go, yeah, Suma number one. Yeah. And he's got the little blue bits on the end of his hair so you know he's fully coised. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so sorry, that was that was Lo Celso in third. Uh, Lo Celso third, Kulisevsky second, Suma first. Got it. Elio, over to you. Taking Kane out of the equation. Kane out of the equation, all right. I'm going to go... Hmm. I'm going to say that this guy's actually going to stay fit this season. I'd say Romero is going to hmm. be third. I think, yeah, I think Romero is going to give us, a, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to show how good a defender he is. And I think he's <laughs> going to take those opportunities. So I'm going to go with Romero yeah. third. Okay. Um, and ooh, which way around? Basuma, Kulosevsky, Kulosevsky, Basuma. Oh, there's Madison <laughs> as well. There's Madison as well. Mm. It's quite hard. This one I probably should have planned for. This is actually quite difficult. I feel like in previous seasons, you know this what? Was really I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Um, Romero third, Kulisevsky second, and Madison first. Interesting. Okay, I'm just writing these down. Dave has gone with, and I think he's taken Kane out of it actually as well, so it works out. Dave has gone with Son as player of the season, then Romero, then Madison. Mm. I have gone with Madison, Isuma. And Kulisevsky. So a lot of similar names coming up here. So uh, let's hope we're all dead on. This is where Kulisevsky does his crew shit training Injury, yeah. ahead of the Brentford <laughs> game. Team sheet has to have yeah. a last minute change. Oh, God. But then Manor still... Solomon is born. We haven't even talked about Manor Solomon. How good has he been? Oh, he's been really good. Uh, yeah. He's such give a, a couple of questions and he might come up earlier, not to tease anything, oh, but okay. he's on the list. Well, you know what? The next question, if I'm not mistaken, no, I am mistaken. <laughs> I was I was jumping ahead. One. The, the next question is potentially quite a quick one. Are Spurs going to win a trophy this season? Elio, you can go first uh, on this I, one. You can go first. Come on, Elio. I mean, Where's you know my answer spirit? already. Yeah, of course, course we, are. we are. To support is to believe. Socks, are we going to win a trophy? And to believe is to support. And to believe is to support. I think you know mine as well. No, <laughs> I think we'll take the. <laughs> Not until I think we'll take the cup. 
<laughs> we'll probably take the cup seriously. I suspect we will have a good cup run. Um, yeah. I think we will play a first team throughout both the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup. Yeah. I think we will treat them with respect, but I can't imagine a scenario where I think we will lift yeah. it over City, Liverpool, etc., etc. So good cup run, but no trophy. I mean, excluding the trophy that we've already won, of course, naturally, that goes without saying. And I, and I think keeping Harry Kane counts as a trophy as well. The next one, so Sox, this is what I was hinting. I think this might be where, where yeah. you answer Elio. Surprise of the season. Dare I suggest yeah, this I've is where... Solomon. Yeah, I've gone Solomon. Yeah. I almost don't want to say Solomon just because I've already predicted that I think he will be good there. If I don't want to imply that it would be a surprise to me should he be depends good. How um, good. It depends how good Sox thinks. If Sox thinks he's going to score 20 goals, well, he probably would have put him as the second I'm, top scorer. I'm going to go a bit... I know Sox, you answer, sorry. You told me off for interrupting last week. No, you know what? Let's make it up. You go ahead. You, you were very polite. You go ahead. Um, it's no fun for you if you just... have to go after Sox anyway. <laughs> I think I think Solomon's going to have a good season. He's going to contribute a lot, but I think it'll also be that kind of Nico Crancher sort of impact where we all love him, but he won't have been involved quite enough to be considered surprise of the season. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Emerson Royal for this one, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I think Emerson Royal is going to win the battle for that right back spot to become. I, I uh, thought you were going to say the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know why my mind went there. That would be a, a fiery take. I think he's going to win the battle for that right back spot. Um, and I, it's not that I dislike Porro. I think Porro is actually a very exciting talent. And in years to come, he may be the first choice. But I think right now, Emerson's better equipped, both in terms of understanding this league and having the right balance of abilities in terms of on the ball, off the ball, strength, pace, reading of the game, etc., to play that inverted fullback role. Um, and come inside when Udogi's on the outside. And one thing we have seen from him in the last sort of season is that he has really pushed himself to improve his attacking game for when he does have to be the overlapping fullback in this system. And he's always on a linear trajectory, whatever you want to say about him. He, he He's always going in the right direction. And I think he's going to get, I think he's going to get the first crack of the whip. And I, I just think he's going to take it. I've got a lot of faith in him. Watch this blood in my face, and I'm going to be calling him a donkey <laughs> after about two minutes. But well, this I is know. the whole point of this. this. This whole this whole segment is designed to make us all look stupid in the space of a few more weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think that will be something of a surprise if he has an amazing season in a lot of people's eyes. Socks, take it back to you. You think we're going to see big things from Mana Solomon? Yeah, it's almost by default because I'm not really. I don't think there are too many players that will surprise me because I'm feeling. I know Lacelso, Kulisevsky, Madison, Basuma. Are good. Yeah. I know Romero is good. I have faith in Adogi based on what I've seen. The Solomon almost felt like a bit of a default. Way. It could be a surprise like Kane scores three goals all season. That would be a surprise. <laughs> no, I went more optimistic for once. <laughs> no, I think it, I think it will be Solomon. And, and if I can segue into the next one, which is hot takes, right. uh, which is the final one, because yeah. mine's also Solomon related. And it's, I think Solomon slash Perisic, I think will displace Sun as the first choice left winger. Oh, really got uh, an incredible incredibly quick I love Son I just don't think he's yeah. the right it's profile usually me that goes e- hard on Son every time no. I've seen him in preseason versus the other two I just look at those and be like yeah you're a better fit it's nothing against them I mean this is football now it's less about signing good players and more about signing players who are the right profiles and I think Solomon is that so I think either him or Perisic assuming Perisic stays will display Son long before the end of the season and I think he'll probably end up being sold as a 32 year old wow. um, that was one of my sort of hot takes I have a second hot take but I'll let Elio get on to his first before I do that 
Uh, before you do that, let's just go over to Dave's responses. Dave's surprise. <laughs> he's carrying on with the theme. He's he's really dying on this hill. Uh, Van, Van der Ven will be suspended more than Romero. I, I, Dave clearly knows something that we don't. He's obviously been watching some some Wolfsburg games and he's seen him put put down some horrific tackles. So yes, we are... Oh, actually, no, we're not quite there because I haven't done mine yet. I have put my surprise of the season... I don't know. I don't know if you can call anyone really surprised the season, but I've actually put in Saar. I think he's going to start the season in the first team, and I think he's going to improve as the season goes along. I don't think many people are necessarily expecting him, certainly not outside of Spurs, to play a big part in the team. Obviously, his days are numbered once Spencer comes back, but I, I just have a feeling that we are going to see some special things from him this year. So watch this space, uh, if you can call that a surprise call, uh, which takes us nicely into hot takes. Um, Elio, you can you can kick us off with some hot takes. I expect you haven't actually thought of any yet in advance, so this is a little bit of putting you on the spot. I can go back over to Socks if you want to have some time to think of some particularly bold claims. Hot take, hot take, hot take. What counts as a hot take when you're an admitted optimist in the face of all reason? Um, <laughs> I thought I was saying we're going to finish fourth could be quite comfortably classified as a hot take from both of us in some people's we, eyes. We finished in that part of the league more than we haven't in the last decade, so I, wow. I disagree. Um, and also, Kulisevsky no, well, scoring three Thunder Bastards definitely qualifies as a hot take. I've written that one down. Okay, my, my hot take will be that by the end of the season, we will be comfortable with Vicario as our new long-term goalkeeper. I think initially we will not be. I think initially we're going to have a few, oh my God, this isn't Pete Clarice. Mm. But I think by the end of the season, we're going to see a really talented goalkeeper, really confident, really, really playing the way this system is going to need our goalkeeper to play. And we're going to embrace him as the future. Okay. Is that hot enough for you, Sox? Uh it's a chicken korma on the on, <laughs> on the scale. Okay, here's a hot take. The yeah. car oh, will go. not make more than one error leading to a goal this season. Oh, okay, that's, that's gone straight into a vindaloo. That's, <laughs> that's too far in the other direction. <laughs> we're, we're, we're at least at Madras there. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> at least okay. Um, Vicario. <laughs> to make no more than one error leading to goal. Uh, that was recognised by, what, Optostats? Oh, we're getting technical now, I, I suppose. Yeah, so. yeah, we have to have, we have, to have a litmus whichever test. Whichever governing body decides to go more lenient on your on your hot take, I think. Uh, Dave has some hot takes. So I know you guys are not done, but just to mix it up a bit, um, you might have some more socks, I know you've got some as well, but just to, to bring Dave back into it. Uh, Dave... Thinks Man United, <laughs> Man United will finish beneath Spurs. Of course he does. Um, <laughs> Dave thinks Arsenal will finish outside of the top four, which I'm interested wow. in. He thinks Bournemouth will finish in the top eight. That's spicy. And I don't know if this counts, but it kind of has to. He thinks Haaland will beat last year's goal tally <laughs> and score even more goals. So interesting from Dave. Sox, can you do anything to compete with those? Uh, I've gone for touching upon what we discussed last week. I went for, I think we're going to regret keeping Kane in the long run. I think that will end up being a mistake. And I also put down, I think there are going to be no fewer than three games this season where we go away to one of the big six or seven and we ship about four goals and get absolutely tonked. <laughs> so that's my other one. About four goals, yeah? Okay. About four goals, yeah, yeah give or take. I don't want to say yeah. four and a fifth. Like I did with six and a fifth, yeah. six point fifth. <laughs> Give or take. 
All right, let's see what I've got for you. Elio, if you think of any more in the meantime, feel free. Yeah, yeah, I've got um, another one coming up. Mine are based mainly on instinct more than anything else. They're, they're, they're not remotely thought out, as you'll, you'll not be surprised to hear. Mine ties in with my prediction of fourth place. I think we will be outside the top eight at Christmas and make a miraculous Aston Villa-style recovery as the season goes on. That's my prediction. I also, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this number now and I'm starting to second guess myself, but I'm going to stick to it. I think Destiny Udogi will get 10 goal involvements this season. Okay, good hot take. Goals and assists combined. I think he right. is so attacking and looks so good and he's got form for it in Serie A. Um, and my final hot take is that, oh, actually no, it's not. I've got two more, sorry. So I think we will beat Arsenal at the Emirates at the end of September. Oh, for f- sake you literally you've just had three in a row and said the one i was about to say you absolute penis but were you also going to follow it up by saying that this will rattle Mikel Artessa into giving a, a Kevin Egan <laughs> I will love it interview on Sky Sports in the immediate aftermath because that is uh, part of mine I wasn't but all I was going to say was after a first five games that could yield anything from sort of six to 13 points and maybe leave us all feeling a little confused. The sixth game will be a handsome win away to Arsenal. And by handsome, I mean several goals between us and them, which gets everybody on board the Postacoglu train. Yeah. So you may have said it first, but I said it better. (laughs) Completely random tangent, but my brother has just sent me a tweet from the Call of Duty UK Twitter account with the (laughs) caption... Kane finally leaving Spurs and a gif of a man in prison having his handcuffs unshackled and being let out. So I don't know what the fuck is going on there, but if we want another target to to abuse, then take it up with a Call of Duty UK Twitter account. They've just Just gone firmly in with Specsavers and Dulocs in our list of enemies. (laughs) With that tweet. Someone trying to be clever, isn't it? Some low-hanging fruit. I have one more hot take. Uh, I think... Dave, that's all of Dave's. My other one, uh, which I had to do a bit of research on, which I'm sure you'll be shocked to hear that I actually did research. The current Premier League record for the highest number of goals occurring in any team's games throughout a season, so across 38 games, at both ends, combined, conceded and scored, is held by Newcastle from 1999-2000, in which 135 goals were scored in their games. I think we are going to break that record. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what the ratio will be, but that's my hot take, which I think is quite a high bar, but be interesting to see. Any more? Elio, have any come to you? Not I think I'm done. You think you're all out of hot takes? Well, maybe what we'll do um, is we'll post a few of those on Twitter and we'll put a vote underneath and we'll ask people to rate them according to various degrees of curry <laughs> and, how hot they are. Um, and see see which one is the most bold but of course if you're listening send us your hot takes for the season um, i know the season might be underway or about to start by the time you listen to this but let us know and on that note um you can follow us on a little social media platform that goes by the name of x which is formerly known as twitter and that's probably the last time i'll ever refer to it as x at plus dave podcast you can follow me at plus dave dags you can follow elio at elio underscore p underscore thfc and you can follow Sox's dedicated trolling account at utrem officium which i think has been been a little bit quiet lately so are you um you dropping the ball there a bit or have you just you've got a sort of change of heart on it or something what's been going on no, I just had something to get on my system towards the back end of the last season, and then in- inevitably the kettle will begin to boil the second the football yeah. starts, and I will go on another sort of rampage as I deem fit. But uh, I'm not yeah. much of a social media guy otherwise, so 
No, fair enough. Oh, and you can also follow Dave at Fantasy Dave, even though he's not here. Um, and while we're on that, actually, uh, I mentioned FPL earlier. We're all, well, some of us are finalizing our, our FPL teams. Elio will pick it at random with about five minutes before the deadline, I'm sure. Um, but if you're interested in joining the Plus Dave Super League, and please do, please try and beat Pricey. He's won the last two. And if he wins the third one, I don't think I'll ever play FPL again. That'll be like Arsenal winning the league. Uh, the code for that is 4GRD8O. <laughs> That's O as opposed to zero. That's four GRD eight O. So please join the Plus Dave Super League. A um, couple of Ange Postecoglou quotes for you guys that have surfaced recently, and I thought you might quite like some of these. I want my team to play football that scares the life out of every opposition. Another one, Elio? Yeah. Do you want to scare the life out of the opposition? Were you even listening? You look like I lost you for a second there. No, no, you I'm here. Off. You here? Yeah. No, good, no. Good. Yeah. Um, there's no other place on earth that I would want to be than right here in this minute, trying to bring success to one of the biggest football clubs in the world. <laughs> Is it a bit too generic, Sox? Are these are these a little bit too like obvious things to say? No, I mean I believe him. I'm 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 I think a lot of our fan base are. I think all of us really are, are fully kind of won over by him. So yeah. I think he's genuine. Uh, I, I don't think it's a case of I'm going to say this thing because I know it's what the fans want to hear. I, I do think he genuinely yeah. means it, and I think. With or without Kane, I think he is going to be what drags us up into a a pleasant season. You know, someone uh, when he says, "What did he say?" Well, I'm gonna. I want us to scare the life out of the opposition. Like that is. Yeah, that's you means that. That's Tottenham to me. That will be. There are going to be four threes this season, completely all <laughs> over the shop. But that is that is Tottenham, and I think he gets that. So what he didn't mention was scaring the life out of the fans as well. <laughs> yeah. in the and Vicario, <laughs> the poor bastard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He better no, be he bring, like, like I said earlier on, he, he brings in all the things you want from our three best managers of the modern era. He, he brings the sort of cuddly lovability of Martin Yoll. He brings the, yeah. the devil-may-care steeliness of Harry Redknapp, and he brings the sort of warm embrace of Pochettino all in one. He's bringing together all our dreams and he will lead us into the next generation. We always just need the Greek. <laughs> exactly. That was the secret, the missing piece all along. Uh, we're almost done, I promise. This has been a quite a long episode, but I feel like it had to be. It's the first one before the season starts. But this next section, very quickly, uh, this is for Dave. I feel like Dave will particularly enjoy this, but I hope you guys and our listeners will also enjoy it. Inspired by last week, and I also noticed that in the midst of a saga surrounding our best player leaving and bringing in an Argentinian forward, I decided to turn to ChatGPT for yes another poem uh, you probably already know who this is about but here it goes in lily white's embrace a hero's tale we find eric lamella a presence <laughs> quite one of a kind with passion ablaze and hair wildly free he etched his name in spurs history a cult hero revered for his enigmatic grace he wore his heart in his sleeve in every chase through highs and lows his spirit held strong in tottenham saga he truly belonged Yellow cards came aplenty, a fiery storm, yet in his fervour, his legend took form. For in the chaos, his magic would rise, a wild spirit dancing beneath stadium skies. Remember the day when Fabregas felt his might, a hand <laughs> met a boot in that fierce football fight. Crazy moments aplenty, his antics bold, Lamella's story in tales of lore is told. Rabona's a spectacle, a move so grand, he'd weave his magic across the land. Crazy, audacious, fearless in his ways, Lamella's legacy forever stays. A warrior with flair, a blend so rare, he dared to be different, a spirit beyond compare. In the heart of the storm, his flag unfurled. Eric Lamella, a gem in Tottenham's world. 
So here's to the hero with passion untamed in Tottenham's history, his name proclaimed a cult hero, crazy and endlessly bold. Eric Lamella's story forever told. Brilliant, but I can't believe you decided to lengthen an already inordinately long episode <laughs> by ripping me off. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try and raise the stakes on that on the next recording. <laughs> I would dare suggest that the reason this is such a long episode is in no small part down to you, Elio, so I'm not going to make any apologies for that. And I'm sure Socks will tell you that that was absolutely worth it. Won't you, Socks? Uh, I'd never had any sauce, but for Lamella, I did understand the cult hero status, so I couldn't care less. I'm sorry. I've never got it. No, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm really sorry. You've just dragged me down the end of that. I thought we were ending on such a high. Anyway, I'll tell you what, in that case, I'll give either slash both of you the chance, the opportunity to drag our spirits up and leave us on a higher note if you can. If you can find it within your hearts to think of something a little bit more cheery. Supporting is to believe and believing is to support. I was just going to say, someone please email us. We've been doing this for two years and the only people <laughs> we've had right into us are our own dads. So it doesn't have to be Spurs related. <laughs> Ask us what Elio's favorite color is, what we had for dinner what we're looking forward to, how our lives are going. I don't know, what, Dags, what's the email? Oh, it's been so long, I, I can barely remember. No, it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's podcast at gmail.com. It's not difficult to remember. Um, I must hey, admit, I've not checked our email. For all I know, we could have hundreds of emails. I've not checked it in oh, a while because, hell. as you rightly say, we, we don't get many of them because not many people use email anymore. So um, if- Here's some levity for the situation. From a Bayern Munich fan forum in reaction to the news that having had their bid accepted, Harry Kane may be rejecting them. Here are some quotes from Bayern Munich fans. Oh, yes. I'm all about What's those. a pussy mentality? Jesus Christ. <laughs> This is the type of attitude why English, the Anglo-Saxon, fail outside of England. <laughs> Anglo-Saxons only understand no. their own culture, can't live outside it. Look at Bale and Madrid. Bale is not Anglo-Saxon. Um, who the hell fails integrating at Madrid? Lol. We should have gone for the killer Serb. I think they mean Mitrovic. Instead, either Mitrovic or Vlavic. I'm not sure which. Mm. Um, and all one just goes, I'm tired. <laughs> If this is actually true, he's a complete idiot. Him agreeing with Bayern on personal terms was the reason why this saga exists and has been going for two months. Pulling off something like this at the last minute when one party has wasted resources on getting a deal done for so long is objectively such a shitty move. There is a massive PR campaign going on to stay in PL. Media former players are all in. Yes, the media are always trying to keep Harry Kane at Spurs. That's it, Bayern fans. Um, they can't handle it. How come he is going to play in a Nazi farmer league? That's Nazi a Bayern Munich fan saying that. Wow. wow. Yeah. There's not, not our words for the avoidance of doubt. Not our words, no. If really, after all these weeks spent on the transfer, there is a situation right now where Kane is deciding on this on a sort of 50-50% basis, whether to come or stay, then we will have the worst 100 million euros spent for a football player in history i always doubted his ambition and i'm still very afraid he might actually decide to stay crazy stuff um and mm. what was the last one? Oh, the last one actually praises levy this is all on Bayern. they tried to negotiate with levy who only does this with incomings thought they could bully them into accepting a lower offer so one reasonable Bayern fan at the end of it but yeah. uh, my point being is all football fans are idiots. Yeah. Good night. It certainly <laughs> is not just ours. And yeah, I think we should probably wrap it up soon before we lose even more listeners by praising Levy. But it did remind me of a tweet from Matt Hayes that I particularly enjoyed. I love how protective we are as a fan base when fans of other clubs go after Daniel Levy, yet we will then turn around and demand he leaves our club ASAP. It's the same mentality as not letting someone bully your little brother because that's your job. So that, that sums it up, doesn't it? Brilliant. Well, thank you both very much for uh, filling in the extra slot for Dave. And I hope Dave listening, you've enjoyed it. And 
and and everyone else, of course, who's listened. And thanks again for joining us. We look forward to having you back next week where we will be talking about the Brentford game and see if any of our hot takes slash predictions hold any merit. But either way, we'll be there. We'll talk through the game. We'll be talking about the upcoming Man United fixture as well. Dave will be back. We'll know how our FPL seasons are off to a start as well. And I'm sure there will be another chat GPT-related limerick for you to all enjoy. But until then... Stay classy, Spurs fans, and we'll see you next week. Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they've done it! They've done it!